I mean, if you your Bibles, please, to the book of, uh, the book of Luke, uh, chapter 9. We're going to begin with verse number uh, 37 this morning. I want to tell you a story that uh, I may have uh, I've told, uh, I most certainly may have told you uh, before, but uh, I've, I got old this week, so I don't remember either way if I told it or not. But I, I'm going to tell again because I just want you all to know what, uh, how horrible I, I was as a young kid growing up and how horrible of a student I was. I remember, uh, I guess I was about in the second or third grade, and uh, I hated, I hated, I hated reading. I hated reading, I hated English, I hated spelling, and all, all the other demonic cousins that go along with those types of things. I just absolutely hate it. And, and I just really uh, almost just didn't want to do it. And so you get to the time of a class where, you know, everybody was supposed to read, and uh, I just didn't want any part of it. And I was just real, real slow with it because I, I just really didn't uh, enjoy it at all. And so finally, uh, the teacher had had enough of me and uh, said that, that they was going to get somebody else uh, to, to teach me and to tutor me in reading. And so they got this other teacher, and when it was time for, uh, for the class to read, they would send me out to, uh, to my own room. They sent me to this other room where there would just be this uh, other teacher, and this teacher would just sit and uh, listen to me read. And, of course, uh, I didn't want to read, and so they would have me in there, and, uh, and they would have me to... Uh, you would have me to, uh, to, to read, and I just just go slow, and I, I just uh, would nod off and things like that. And then finally, she, she just got so frustrated, she just uh, slammed down the book and said, Timothy Reed, you know, you're about to be in trouble when you start hearing multiple names. Timothy Reed, do you want to read this book? And I was always taught as a child, you're supposed to tell the truth. And I looked her right in the eye and I said, No. And I learned a very important lesson that day, and that is this. You know, some people just can't handle the truth because I sure got in a lot of trouble. You know, um, I always had trouble going through school, and there'd be uh, things that I wouldn't get, and there were things that I would uh, uh, stumble through in, uh, in, in learning, and I know you did the same thing. And these last uh, verses in, uh, in Luke chapter 9 talk about the disciples, and they're beginning to stumble. They're beginning to have some struggles in their learning, in their discipleship. And I know that me and you, in our walk with Christ, we'll have those good moments where we seem to get everything right, and then we'll just have those moments to which we will begin to struggle. And over the next uh, four weeks, we're going to talk about four ways, four things that will hamper our growth, four things that we allow to linger in our life that cause us to struggle through our walk with Jesus Christ in our discipleship. And so as we read these verses this morning, I want us to think about our work with our walk with God. And I want us to think about some of the struggles that we have in our walk with Christ and that we resolve in our heart to fix those things. So let's read together in, um, in the book of Luke, chapter 9, beginning with verse number 37. It says, On the next day, when he had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. And behold, a man from the crowd cried out, Teacher, I beg you uh, to look at my son, for he is my only child. And behold, a spirit seizes him, and, he's, and he suddenly cries out. And it convulses him uh, so, that he, so that it foams in the mouth. 
and uh, and it shatters him, and he will and he will uh, hardly leave him. And I begged your disciples to cast out to cast it out, but they could not. And Jesus answered, "Old faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you and bear with you? Bring your bring your son here." And as he was coming, the demon threw him to the ground and convulsed him. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and held the boy and gave him back to his son and gave it back to his father. And all were astonished at the majesty of God. But while they were all marveling at everything that he was doing, Jesus said to his disciples, let these words sink into your ears. The son of man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand this saying, and it was concealed from them so that they may not perceive it, and they were afraid to ask him about this saying. Let's pray. Hey, Father, I thank you for this word, Lord, and how it guides our life. And I know that sometimes I can just imagine you just getting frustrated sometimes with our lack of understanding and our lack of obedience. But Lord, I just pray, Lord, that as we read these verses, Lord, we just, uh, we just search, our, search our hearts, Lord, to see in which ways that we are slacking, that we are neglecting the things that you have called us to do. And Lord, how we are nothing without the power that comes from you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I can just see the, the look on my teacher's face when I read these verses about Jesus and how he's seemingly getting frustrated with the situation. He's getting frustrated with the people around him. He's sort of getting frustrated with, uh, with, uh, with the disciples. And um, it's amazing how this, this frustration, this encounter happens as they are coming down the mountain. And you think about this, how we think about these mountaintop experiences and how close they were with God and what a great experience it is. But isn't it just like us that every time we have a high moment in our walk with God, buddy, there's just something waiting for us at the bottom of that mountain, isn't it? There's just always something. And as Jesus walks down the mountain, all of a sudden as he gets down close, he hears this, uh, this commotion and... and um, as we read these uh, uh, account in the book of Matthew and the book of uh, Mark, it tells us, man, there's just this whole crowd. There's Sadducees asking questions. There's all these people gathering around uh, these, uh, these disciples. And there's just this, this commotion going on. And, and there's this situation going on, and everybody's just saying something. And Jesus is just what, probably wondering his mind, just like you are. It's like, man, I just left for just a couple of hours, and look what's what happened. And so Jesus walks down the mountain, and he sees there this crowd, and he asks them what's going on, and all of a sudden his father begins to speak. He begins to speak about his concern. He said, well, I have a son, and he's possessed by a demon. And um, man, this demon's pretty rough, and it'll, it'll cause him to convulse, and it will cause him to foam in the mouth. And uh, Mark tells us about how this demon would just sometimes just throw him into the fire and throw him out of the fire. And it was a pretty bad deal. And he said, I brought them to your disciples, but they were unable to heal him. So I just want you to imagine this, this situation. 
Now here's the disciples, and they have quite have had a quite a long time here with Jesus, and they had been out by themselves, and they have cast out demons before, but now Jesus had kind of gone up a mountain for some time away, and kind of had left the disciples to take care of things, but here they were unable to do this healing of this person. And so that gets us to wondering uh, this question I always thought uh, that I want to ask you is that, uh, well, Jesus went up on the mountain with, uh, with three disciples. So if Jesus has, three, uh, has 12 disciples and three of them <clears throat> go up on the mountain with Jesus, how many disciples are left down at the bottom? Nine. Very good. Everybody's awake. So these nine disciples were unable to, uh, to cast that out. And then Jesus gives a very interesting response. He seems to be frustrated as he says to them, this twisted and faithless generation. And then it seems like in a sense of frustration, in a sense of agitation, in a sense of aggravation, he says, bring the boy to me. Why is Jesus so upset? Why is Jesus so upset? Well, I'm sure there's a lot of things going on. First thing there is, is that he's been ministering to these crowds for a good long time. And even as he's confessed and even as he's talked about what he was really here to do, everybody just keeps coming up to him wanting a healing for this and a healing for that, and that's good. But nobody's coming up to ask Jesus what it is they really need, and that is salvation for their sins. Nobody's coming up to ask Jesus about the kingdom of God. Nobody's coming up to ask Jesus about how he can follow him. Nobody's coming up and asking the right questions. They're just all wanting to be healed. They're just all wanting to have the food. They're just all wanting to have their government back. They're not really getting to the point of what they really need in their life. Secondly, he understands that his time on the earth is about to go to the is about to come to an end. And he has leaving her. He is leaving these disciples to be his hands and feet when he's gone. But yet now here they are struggling in their faith to be able to do what God has called him to do because he knows what the problem is. And so finally Jesus says, well, bring him to me. And of course, Jesus brings, to, brings, the, brings the boy to him and Jesus is able to heal him and everybody's going off and everybody's just kind of happy. But then finally, Jesus has some time alone with these, uh, we, with these disciples and he has a conversation with them and the disciples come up to him and says, Jesus, why weren't we able to heal this person? Jesus, why weren't we able to do this? And I want us to pick up this conversation as he tells, uh, as he tells this story. And I want to read it from uh, the book of Matthew in, uh, in chapter 17. And, um, and I want to start with verse number 19. 
It says, and then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast him out? And he said to them, because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you had faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. But this kind never comes out except by prayer and fasting. Jesus, why weren't we able to do it? It was because of your lack of faith. And the first thing that he wants to point out to them is what faith is able to do. He says, if you have faith of the grain of a little bitty mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move, and it will move from here to there. And so he wants them to know that if you have faith in Jesus Christ, that you have full access to the full arsenal of God's power. And it's just not a matter of quantitative. It's not a matter of acquiring a skill. It's not a matter of learning something. It's not a matter of any of that. It's the matter of having the faith that Jesus is able to do something. It locks in or unlocks the totality of the power of God. So that's what you had access to. And then they said, well, why weren't we able to do it then? Notice what he says next. He says, but this one, this one could only be cast out by prayer and fasting. What is he pointing out? He's pointing out that in faith, you have the power to do anything, but you've been slacking. You've been slacking in the area. Where you've been slacking, you've been slacking in your prayer. You thought you were going to do just like you did when um, Jesus would say, when I sent you out with a two-by-two two, and I sent you out as a group and I sent you to the town and I gave you authority to cast out demons and you cast out a whole lot of demons and you healed a whole lot of sick people and you thought you were just going to walk in here to that one demon and just be able to do a little hand wave or say your little voice, and that demon was going to come out of that person. But what doesn't work that way? Because what Jesus understood is that they were slacking in their relationship with God. They were neglecting their time of prayer. When you have faith, you have the power to tell to a mountain move and it will move. But you only have access to that level of power if you are staying in communication with the Father. And so they were slacking. We learned last week, or the week before last, when, uh, when Jesus went up to the mountain to pray, he took Peter, James, and John. And while Jesus was off praying, they were off slacking, weren't they? Because they were taking a nap. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus said, look, I want you to pray so that you'll be ready for what's coming next, Jesus went off to pray, and they went off to slacking. They went off to sleeping. Because they didn't realize 
the importance of prayer. That prayer is what unlocks the power of faith. Prayer is what unlocks the understanding of what God wants to do. Prayer is unlocks and gives us the vision to understand what's going on and what God wants for us in our life. And when we neglect that time with God, we're unable to do anything. And so Jesus wanted them to know that why, why you weren't able to perform this miracle is because you weren't spiritually ready. You weren't spiritually ready. Jesus talks about this, conversa- talks about this concept a lot. Talks about being ready. And he tells stories like this. He said, look, if, uh, if you knew when, what day a robber was going to break into your house, you would be ready for him. But a robber don't send you a letter and say, hey, I'm coming to your house to rob you today. You know, there's not a day of the week that's robbery day that you got to be waiting for. But the robber comes at a time where you do not expect. So you have to be ready every day. Jesus talks about the virgins who are waiting on the bridegroom. And some of them went out and some of them brought oil with them and some of them didn't. And, and the, bride, uh, the bridegroom was delayed in his coming. And, and so they were kind of, you know, dozing off to sleep. And some of those lamps went out. But here comes the bridegroom at a time they didn't expect. And everybody's trying to get ready. And some of them have their oil. Some of them are ready. And some of them are not. And the ones that forgot the oil say, hey, can I borrow your oil? Said, no, oil, they got some for me. You should have been ready. There's always a phrase you hear in sports a lot of times that says, if you stay ready, you ain't never got to worry about getting ready. And that's what Jesus wants us to do, is that he wants us to stay in our constant relationship with God. He wants us to do constantly, day by day, certain disciplines so we'll be ready when something comes along in our life. We need to spend every day Every day in the Word of God, learning what we, we're learning what His will is for our life. So when those situations come along, we know what to do. We need to spend our days in prayer so when the opportunities come along in our life that we are able to see them. Because He wanted the disciples to get ready. Because too many times they had gotten used to Jesus doing all the work. But now he was getting ready to send them to do the work through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what he wanted them to see. Notice what he says in, um, back in Luke um, in verse number, uh, in, uh, in verse number uh, 44 uh, 43, excuse me. But while they were all marveling at everything that he was doing, Jesus said to his disciples, let these words sink into your ears. The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. Jesus was saying, look, I want you to understand, soon I'm going to be gone. Soon I'm not going to be gone. And I'm not going to be here 
to do these things by myself. But yet I'm going to do these things through you. And you need to be ready. You need to be ready. You need to stay in a, in a, in a position of constantly being spiritually ready for every day because you never know what's coming. But notice what the disciples, what their thoughts were. It says, but they did not understand this saying, and it was concealed from them, so they may not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about this saying. You know what those verses mean? It means we hear what we want to hear, don't we? When we hear something we don't want to hear, we tend to, we tend to, uh, to tune it out. And we want to ignore it. Jesus gave them a truth that they didn't want to hear. The truth that, some, that one day their Messiah was going to be gone. And all that Jesus was doing upon this earth, he was going to want them to do. A lot of times we will start slacking. We'll leave the work to somebody else. We'll let the preacher do it. We'll let the music minister do it. We'll let the deacons do it while we just sit back and we watch. But what Jesus has called us to do is for us to be allowed by him, allow, uh, allow him to use us. But he can't use us if we don't stay ready. He can't use us if we don't stay prepared. So I want to ask you this morning, what's Jesus' impression of you? Is he starting to get a little frustrated of your lack of faith? in your lack of preparation? Are you someone that he knows that he can always count on? We as his disciples should always be seek to be used by him. But he can't use us if we're not ready. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. Lord, we thank you. Lord, that you saved us. But Lord, you didn't save us just to, for us to have eternity in heaven, but you saved us to be your disciples here upon this earth. So Lord, I pray we search in our heart, Lord, this morning to ask ourselves, are we ready to be used by you or are we just slacking and wasting our time? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand and sing.